Hello, welcome to Gunfighter Cast, episode number 124. I'm here with my buddy Eric Utrecht. Most folks know him as Trek. You've heard from him before, back when he was bicycling across the world. How you doing, Trek? <laughs> What's going on, brother? How are you? Ah, doing pretty well, man. Uh, it's good to have you on the show again, and it was good to see you uh, a week or so ago out there in Vegas. Oh, absolutely. It was uh, it was nice to, to be at the Danger Zone party and to actually just relax for one year. Yeah, and you didn't do anything for SHOT Show at all, which was pretty cool, which had been amazing. Except uh, I did everything except for I did catch uh, the SHOT Show plague. I'm still dealing with that. Oh, man, it's too bad. Well, we're not going to talk about SHOT Show because I've been talking about SHOT Show and everybody's talking about SHOT Show. We're going to talk about something that I think that uh, people are going to get a lot out of and they're really going to uh, enjoy. And it's a question that I get asked pretty often, or a few of these are questions that I get asked pretty often. Um, and we're going to talk about what to do in a class or what to bring to a class or how to go take a class. Uh, a lot of things when it comes to taking class, because there's a lot of people out there who have never taken a firearms-related course before, one day or two day. So we're going to discuss that. Sure. So maybe they're not going to be scared to do it or nervous about it. They'll just go jump in and go get some training. Uh, but before we get into that part right there, uh, who, who are you, Trek? Oh, what a great question. Um, Eric Utrecht, owner of the Michigan Defensive Firearms Institute out of Michigan. I know uh, I'm down here currently in sunny Arizona, uh, where it's 80 degrees instead of 17 degrees. But uh, worked real hard last year up in the state of Michigan, taking a little bit of time off for uh, the before-mentioned SHOT Show and just to uh, chase the sun god. But uh, we are a regional-based training company uh, that focuses on building competent and confident new shooters. Uh, to get the solid foundation of shooting skills so that they can essentially move from taking classes where they're learning how, the how of the firearm so that they can move on to different training where they are getting trained themselves and they just happen to have a firearm with them. So yeah, we're, we're all over, uh, do about 80 classes a year uh, in and around the state of Michigan. I'm going to ask our very first question, which is, what happens at a quality firearms training class right when we get back from this quick little break? Hey guys, Daniel here. I want to invite you to go check out Bootleg Inc. at bootleginc.com. Bootleg has top quality products for everything that you need to build a solid AR. Bootleg is the sister company to Primary Weapon Systems and contains a searchable database with everything you need to know to build an AR. Go check them out at bootleginc.com. All right, we're back. Uh, so, Trek, what does happen at a quality firearms training class? Uh, you know, what a great question. Um, and I have to say that... Uh, it could go I've a thousand different directions, right? It could. Yeah, it can go a thousand different ways. I've been blessed uh, in my private life uh, outside of the military. And you have, you know, you and I, with our military backgrounds, we've seen uh, some absolute, you know, just awful training, whether it's, uh, sure. you know, for death by PowerPoint or time on a military shooting range, there can be some times that uh, it's a different environment. And, and we would say, man, that was just a bad class. But in the in the civilian sector, I've been very blessed. I would say I haven't been to one that that has given me an opportunity to talk about um, what a, a bad example would be. So to start things off, I think on a positive note, one of the biggest things about a quality class, in my opinion, is First and foremost, before you ever even meet the instructor, you should know what you're getting yourself into. And I think this is uh, this is one of the most important things. If you're if you're searching through 
uh, all of the different, there's so many awesome companies out there that are doing firearms training, but you should be able to read a class description. And most importantly, uh, you should know the direction that you want to take, whether it's handgun, less lethal rifle, shotgun, low light, all of the different things that we could possibly train on. You should be able to read through a school's uh, curriculum and decide on what class is in the alley uh, or the direction that you want to train. But then before you click register, there's a bunch of information that you should know. You need to know exactly what gear is required. There should be definitely a gear list on there uh, because, you know, if you're looking at a home defense live fire class, there might be $1,000 uh, up to $1,000 in armor requirements uh, that if somebody doesn't uh, read or if that's not provided to the student, they might show up. Uh, missing some very, very critical equipment. So you definitely need to know uh, that there's a gear list. They need to make sure that they're broadcasting that. And the most important one, the thing that I see as an instructor, and you've probably seen this time and time again, is folks need to, to read and heed the prerequisites to be in that class. And that's very important. And it's not um, from a student's point of view, as someone who's been a student, that's not something that's supposed to make me feel bad if I don't have the prerequisites, that should give me, as a student, a feeling of uh, happiness because what that tells me is if I'm signing up for this class and that school is broadcasting those prerequisites to the potential students, that the, the men and women to my right and left on that line or in that house or in that car, they're going to have the requirements to be a safe student for the lesson of the day. And so that's uh, that's a big thing just before you even step into a class. And then one of the biggest things uh, when you show up to that class, I think you need to be, of course, uh, you need to know who the instructors are. They should be welcoming into that class. No matter how difficult that class is going to be over the next couple of days, uh, they definitely need to welcome you to that class. And before things even get started, uh, there needs to be some sort of a gear shakedown. And that could just be a visual shakedown of the the cadre and the students getting to talk and be like, okay, everybody's got the appropriate gear based on the gear requirements for the class. There should have been during sign-in, there should have been some sort of prerequisite check to make sure that somebody didn't just say, oh yeah, I'm a, uh, I have all these prerequisites and then show up for a class that they weren't supposed to, because unfortunately that does happen. And then the big one that really sticks out to me before anybody even steps up to a firing line there needs to be a very, very detailed medical briefing uh, from the cadre, and we need to make sure that every single student uh, understands. And this comes from, a, you know, I, I raise my hand and say I was an instructor this past uh, year in Waxahachie, Texas, where I had a student uh, negligently discharge into their leg after a very, very detailed emergency briefing. Uh, and it was, a, it was a very fast and simple mistake that almost cost this individual life and limb. Uh, but the best part about it, and I tell people time and time again, uh, there was a very, very detailed medical briefing in place. And so not a single student in the class missed a beat. Both cadre and student alike came together as a team to get that person taken care of as fast and as safely as possible. So there's a lot of homework that uh, both the cadre, the school needs to do to make sure the information is being get, uh, processed out there to the students. And the students need to do a fair share of homework, too, before they click that register button and put in their credit card info. Well, that uh, concludes the episode of Gunfighter Cast, episode number 124. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> that was good uh, a lot of good information in there and some of that I was going to try to get out of you here later but you're just too easy but it was also so I want to I want to pick up on a couple of, of things that you you mentioned in there primarily uh, the safety briefing so uh, I have yeah. been to a course before where the the he wasn't the gentleman it was the guy who owns the range uh, gave a safety brief, but there was somebody else teaching, and their emergency plan was, we're going to get in the car and drive him to the hospital and tell them that he accidentally shot himself if somebody else shoots somebody because there will be an investigation and the cops will take your guns and we don't want our guns taken. So that, that's what... Oh God, that's terrifying. That was like, uh, exactly. So I was like, we're not doing that. You're joking, right? And he was dead serious. Uh, so there was like three sworn law enforcement officers in the class, too. And uh, we're all like, yeah, no. Okay. And th- th- so then the other, the real instructor like taught the class and their thing, but we all ignored his, uh, what he thought was a good emergency plan. So, you know, spelling out what we're going to do. Uh, I don't plan on having somebody jacking around into their leg in a class. Uh, right. But I plan for it. Right, like, because that's, and I, I don't want to have everybody reacting, and me having to tell everybody what to do, uh, and somebody does get hurt. We already have a plan in place uh, in case something is going to happen. And in any class that I go to, I expect that at the beginning of a class, I expect to be briefed with an emergency plan of what my job is if someone gets hurt, if something happens, uh, whether it's drive out to the closest hardball road and escort the first new engine in, or the ambulance in, or make a phone call, or run a medical kit somewhere. Whatever it is, I, I expect to have a job, and uh, I'm disappointed in the class when that doesn't happen. And so I kind of make oh. my own plan in my own head. Yeah, and that's what a great what a great point. You and I, you know, uh, friends for a long time, but I've listened to talk, you know, and we have not talked together. But one of the things I love is the fact that you and I are very we're on the same wavelength when it comes to, to the way that we run classes and what we expect. And that's what I tell students all the time. If you go, you know. I am not, and, you, and I know you're going to say that you are not, and all the friends that we have in the industry, we're not the end-all, be-all instructors. There's so many great individuals out there giving out so much awesome information, and it might be the same info, but the way they deliver it might be better from one person to the next yep. based on the way that individuals learn. But the thing that I will tell students time and time again, if you go to a firearms class or a fencing class or an emergency driving class, and there's no safety and emergency briefing pack your stuff leave the place and then request a refund after you are safely out of the ao of where you were where tragedy could possibly befall you with no plan and you know to take i love uh, i'm a big movie buff you know this uh magnificent seven the new remake there's a great line in there in which one of the characters talks about he had a friend that fell off a five-story building and the people on every floor, as he passed by the window, he was yelling, so far, so good. And that's exactly what schools like this are doing. If you have a briefing that's either canned, where you actually haven't thought about the environment that you're in. If you say, we're going to drive to the hospital. Okay, that's a cool plan. But have you thought about where's, where's the map to the hospital? What happens if the only person in that class is the person that knows where the hospital's at? Do you have a map? Um, what are the 10 digit grid for the life flight if it comes to that? Um, have you tested? Did you look at the road and an ambulance actually make it? There's some great ranges out there that unfortunately, if one inch of rain hits it, no ambulance 
months is going to make it back to the firing line. So, yeah, if you one, if you don't get a briefing, you should be terrified and it's time for you to leave. And two, is that person giving critical thought to the most important asset in your life, which is your life? And do you feel safe while you run the rest of the day? So that's a great point. It's an absolutely great point. Yeah, the last couple of episodes, or not the last couple, but uh, in some recent episodes, I've kind of hit pretty hard on the the safety side of things as my responsibility as an instructor because I, I caught wind of an instructor doing something pretty crazy, being downrange when students are shooting because a guy can't shoot good. And somehow I can make a person apply fundamentals better if I stand next to his target. And that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But the students didn't understand that that wasn't acceptable. So they were asking me if this kind of behavior is okay. And then it occurred to me that not everybody knows what is acceptable and what is safe and what is okay in our world, especially the new students. So uh, I had Matt Stagliano on from Firelance Media talking about it. And sure. we, we had a, discu- a great discussion about that. Um, and then shortly after that, uh, there was this video that got released on the internet. And uh, I had uh, uh, Chris Henderson from Three Doors Down uh, come on and talk about his experience in a class where mm. he felt very, very uh, unsafe, and there was just, sure. uh, and then uh, there was all the there's this discussion going on in early 2017 about what is safe and what is acceptable in a range in a class, and basically I was told that I was a pussy if I was wasn't okay with having a greatly articulating wheelchair left and right while students are downrange. If I wasn't okay with being one of those people downrange, then I'm a pansy a pussy was the exact words, and I should turn in my guns. Um, have you seen any of that stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, what a great um, – this is a great discussion uh, that it's a rabbit hole, and it's, it's in a world of – What's going on in social media right now where left is beating up on right and right is beating up on left, we take it where knee-jerk reaction. There's so many knee-jerk reactions without critical thought. And in our line of work with you and I, we have to take a huge amount, even more critical thought because our students are looking to us in some way, shape, or form to guide them on their quest as a responsibly armed citizen. And I'm glad that you brought this up because... I know exactly what video you're talking about, and it's, it's shocking to hear that you were getting that type of traffic. And I have to then revert to my friends and mentors. Uh, Aaron Cowan is a great example. This is I call him my tattoo doppelganger because every time Aaron and I have been on a show together, it's like I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, holy crap, he is literally reading my mind. And every time that I see a video where we're on the same wavelength, and one of the things that he says that really sums it up is that you cannot make a firearms class safe. And I love, I know what is exactly what he's saying. You and I as an instructor cannot make a firearms class safe. What we can do is we can make a firearms class as safe as possible based on the lesson and the need of instruction for the day. And so I'll, I'll caveat by saying that in a basic handgun class, for example, our You Suck It's Not the Gun class, which is a class that is zero time limit, standing on a static line with students of all different skill sets working on shooting the tiniest little group they can all day to maximize their marksmanship with that handgun. We can make that day incredibly safe. I mean, as safe as I can possibly make it. But I still had a, sh- a student shoot himself through the leg. 
It was at no fault of my cadre. It was no fault of another student. It was purely a student who did not check his holster with a piece of his jacket in the trigger on a Glock 43. Nothing could have been done except for having one person watching him in a manner that would have been impossible. uh, And I couldn't have hired somebody to do that for for all of the students. So when you look at that and say that we cannot make a class, a firearms class, 100% safe, we then have to ask ourselves, what about the people that are not at the core or foundation level handgun classes. What are we talking about when we talk quote unquote advanced? And I then look back to my life experiences where I got to meet Jim Calver when I ran my first home defense shoot class, live fire class at uh, the site in Illinois. And Jim Calver introduces himself to myself and my uh, instructors, excuse me, and my students as just a guy who did 20 plus years in the Navy. And if you research the name Jim Calver, this guy was a Navy SEAL Jedi master. And he tells us in his opening briefing about how even as a Navy SEAL, as a veteran Navy SEAL, he was involved in three fatal shoot house investigations that took place dealing with only Navy SEALs. So what we know from this is that a student can shoot himself in trucks, you suck, it's not the gun class. And in my opinion, based on my my very serious investigation into myself and the way that I do nothing that we could have done uh, any different. And yet still somebody got hurt. And then there's Jim Calver at the other end of the spectrum who is training Navy SEALs guys that don't need foundation classes. They need, Hey, how to hang upside down of a little bird helicopter and shoot two desert Eagles, one in each hand. And even with these guys who have passed years of training, Three Navy SEALs under his tenure died in a shoot house in training. And so right there, that reinforces both ends of the spectrum that you cannot make a firearms class completely safe. And so where, getting back to your story, where people are not doing critical thought is they're not asking what could have been done differently so that that individual in the wheelchair could have absolutely, based on his Second Amendment, you know, his protected rights as an American citizen, could he have gotten that training in that movement class? Absolutely. But you know what? It probably would have taken a little bit more forethought on the cadre, maybe having a second relay, maybe looking at the terrain so that we could have made, made an environment that was far safer where this individual either didn't have to wheel himself over debris or to simulate his movement, could have had an individual helping him along while he was focused on the challenges of manipulation of the handgun and movement, not saying anything about him being challenged being in a wheelchair, but in order to be in the class, to keep the class as safe as possible, because the end result was students downrange was not part of the learning of the class in that extreme. But as you get further and further in training, of course it gets more dangerous. Uh, you probably teach a class like I do, one-handed manipulation. I've taken around. I'm running the gun off my leg, off my belt, off my boot. If you mess up, if you violate those four life safety rules, of course you're going to hurt yourself. And you might hurt someone else in the class, but that's why we have prereqs. And that's why we as instructors have made sure that you can't just, one, walk off the street. And two, that's why our eyes are fixated on so much more than a standard static line training class. And so... 
that's a very interesting thing. There's a lot of people out there that have been taken hate from both sides of that argument. And it's sad to hear that people would, would say, you're a pussy, you need to give up your guns. No, because you're looking at it from, I'm not trying to deny this individual in a wheelchair training. And I'm not trying to dog on a school that's, that's training individuals in a wheelchair. All I'm asking for as a professional in this profession of training of arms, what could we as professionals have done differently where students didn't have to stand downrange when the exercise of the day was not people being downrange in my muzzle? And that's it. You know, we're in some scary times, man. I didn't want to talk about it this episode. I wasn't planning on it anyway, this this whole spiel. But I think it's good information. The only way we're going to combat this and win, and when I say win, is, is we, we maintain a high level of safety and and push a community of safe training, uh, safe and effective training. Sure. Because there's a balance there. Um, but the there, there's way too many YouTube stars and Instagram stars telling me, and you, that if you're not okay with that, you're a pussy and you shouldn't have a gun, you shouldn't be teaching this and that and everything else. Trek, I'd, I've spent over 16 years of my life as an as infantryman in the Marine Corps. That I, I don't know of any other tracks and, and routes I could go in my life that would be more difficult than the life that I've had, right? Like every day was a, sure. a pissing contest. Like every day was a fight. Uh, I've, I've broke my nose like a total of four times now. Like it's, uh, it's all twisted up and different. Like I, it, and then, then we would wake up each other up and make sure we got the breakfast together and we're in formation together. Like it was, uh, I, I miss that martial culture that, that we had all the time. Um, I deployed multiple times. I've done things with the most elite forces that our country has uh real world operational stuff including also as well as training um some things that have letters you know that that's all they do to, to describe themselves and i i have a a medal that the marine corps gave me uh that reads something without thought for his own personal safety uh for heroic achievement and valor in combat you know it, it says things like because i left a cover and concealed position exposed myself to enemy fire sprinted 100 yards under fire and pulled a lieutenant out of some water he was about to drown in and then carried him back to friendly lines and i i have a medal for that i'm pretty sure i'm not a pussy trek and i i I would go do it all over again. So whenever I've got some YouTube sensation uh, telling my students and the people who are my future students that if this isn't going on in your class, then you've got a pansy instructor or whatever else, i got a real problem with it. And we need to squash it immediately in this industry and all come together and say no. Yeah. You know, and and here, this is one of the things uh, I try to separate I try to separate uh, the, the profession that I'm in with the silliness that the world is in. And there certainly is a lot of silliness that's in the world. And somebody uh, somebody that doesn't do the profession that wants to try to brief me um, who, you know, you look at, uh, once again, I go back to movie references. You look at the movie Sully. You talk about uh, Captain Sully that landed a freaking plane with 155 souls on board. And the first thing that he was concerned about is the, the count. His passenger count. He cares about the mission, but he freaking cares about uh, the people he's responsible for. And when you and I, when we take people out, we have a responsibility uh, to make sure they get the training they need, but that there's, we give them an environment that's as safe as possible. So my response to anybody that would say, you're, you're doing your students a disservice, you are in the beauty of American capitalism. And I would say, I welcome your establishment of your training school. I welcome 
to uh, find the insurance company that's going to cover what you're doing. Right. And the word, the word of mouth, and this is the biggest reality, the word of mouth uh, you have to take in. Are these people that were not there, have not taken those classes, probably have not trained? Um, that means nothing compared to the people that at the end of the day say, I learned and thank you for making me feel safe. There are classes where the first thing out of my mouth in the safety briefing is, ladies and gentlemen, there is no way that myself or my cadre will be able to stop you fast enough if you do something is safe. And if you mess up today, you will probably not go home alive. But that is not at my basic level classes. They are classes that the consequence of failure must be there because they have built themselves up to be at that level because real life real life is going to be those individuals downrange. And we have to eventually train to that. And so when I look at that video, knowing nothing other than the 30-second clip that it was, I would have no problem with that video if somebody could tell me that the consequence of the training was required, excuse me, the consequence of that situation was required for the students to leave with the knowledge needed to satisfactorily graduate that class. And if you can articulate to me as an instructor, shoot, as the person that's downrange, uh, that in a, in a worthwhile manner, I'm going to back you up. But if you're just telling me that it was uh, logistical issues and an instructor is yelling, shoot, 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 I'm hoping as an instructor that I have built students that if I'm yelling, shoot at them, and they don't have good sights, good trigger, and feel safe, they're going to look at me and say, Trek, you are out of your mind. I'm going to wait, and then I will fire when I am absolutely sure that I am not going to cause harm to anybody else around me. That's perfect. That's the answer I want. I want to build students that will tell me to shut my mouth if yes. I am ever giving them a command free thinkers, that they man. think free-thinking people. And if there are people, if there are people that can articulate um, – with the end of that, and I hate to say it, if the end of that statement is Trek's a pussy and Daniel's a pussy, and they can articulate to you and I in such a manner that I am floored by their their critical thought of such things, then maybe I'll hang up my spurs. But here's the reality. You and I, we have the word of mouth of quality programs where our students are leaving more educated than when they showed up, and we have a survival rate that is appropriate for a firearms instructing business. If you want to go to the SAS where they're like, hey, we lose three people a year. It's part of our training. Yeah, the SAS, they, they're they going to lose three people a year in training. Uh, fighter pilots are going to lose uh, you know, people in training. Why? Because they went through flight school and now it's time to do a combat takeoff under fire from a strafing aircraft. And sometimes your best choice is, fail, is, is going to be a, a soft fail instead of a hard fail. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know anything about that video other than what I saw, but I have not heard anybody articulate to me in a manner that I would go, okay, I'd be yeah. downrange of that, so this or is the, I'd be running that class. The last thing that I'll and say about it. this, and we'll move on because we got a lot of few things to talk about, is, Trek, whenever you're, the gentleman in your class uh, shot themselves, did... Um, yeah. At what point did that person violate safety rules? Because there's been an argument that I've been seeing is 
hey, there weren't any safety rules violated. It's okay. And my argument is, really? Like, we have to violate a safety rule for an unsafe act to be present or the imminence of an unsafe act to be imminent, right? Like, it's it's coming any second. Uh, I see people that are about to be create very unsafe situations, but they haven't actually broken any safety rules yet. But I know it's coming right now. And uh, what a great, what a great question. So, yeah. So did, did he, uh, it, at what point did he break safety rules? I would say uh, with my non-scientific mind, a nanosecond before the round penetrated his leg. And that's exactly. such a great question. This individual, this individual, and this is the thing. And this is, this is where we need to, um, this is where we need to talk about, once again, going back to the, we're creating the safest environment possible, understanding that a purely safe environment does not exist. And this is why we do, this is why getting back to the premise of this, this discussion this is why we do a safety briefing because I can have, uh, for example, in order to come to my home defense shoot house class, you have to, the prerequisites looks like a novel. Um, and there are schools out there that have no prerequisites for a shoot house. And that terrifies me. Um, but I have, I have a novel, uh, essentially you need to come to every single class that NBFI offers or an equivalent, uh, an approved equivalent. And I still, I still have the same safety briefing, the same most in-depth safety briefing that I do on the most basic class where nobody's moving, nobody's dodging, weaving, all of the, the stuff that goes along with a quote-unquote advanced class uh, because it is when the operating system between our ears that normally is 100% for life safe gets overwhelmed for a nanosecond uh, bad things can happen. And so, yeah, you and I as instructors, we do, we pick up on trends a lot. And that's what saves a lot of situations is we step in and go, and I, you know, and joke and jest, I've, uh, one of the big things I do is on a, on a basic level class, uh, people like to, they have the holsters that they have to pinch open and, uh, to get the gun back. And I tell them, I was like, guys, it's 2016, 2017. The technology is out there to have a holster that you don't need to pinch open with your support hand. Uh, I can make some recommendations, but I tell them, hey, for the day, you're going to have to make sure you don't sweep your, your support fingers with that muzzle. And so what I do by the end of the day, if I start to see trends, is I'll get on there and I'll draw, I'll draw don't shoot us all over their fingers with a Sharpie. And what that does is, as they start to reach in, they're like, oh, man, he literally, he saw that trend. He wrote on my fingers. So I'm going to now consciously, instead of subconsciously, keep my support hand away so I can safely holster and find another way. So... Yeah, this individual in Texas, he, uh, I was watching him all day. He was a very competent shooter. Um, and so what happened was his jacket tassel, the pull string on his jacket, got in the trigger guard of his Glock 43. I jokingly say they're superior weapons to everything else. But as we know, they're, they've got three internal safeties that are disconnected by a trigger pull, and which is one of the reasons that they're hated by a lot of people. But I... I love my Glock. I consider it incredibly safe unless I do something stupid or I allow something stupid. And this individual, in a moment of losing wherewithal, uh, had something that disengaged the trigger safety and it put a round straight through his holster uh, right down his leg. And I would say a nanosecond. It, it became unsafe a nanosecond before uh, the round actually fired. And so, yeah, you can say, well, no four life rules were broken. And we know that in life, look at any shooting. My God, look at any self-defense shooting, law enforcement or civilian. For life rules go out the window. They go completely out the window. But it is the it is the lack of combination of the four rules failures that make it so that bad 
people get shot and good people hopefully don't get shot because when real life get in, gets introduced to the human brain operating at 1% of its total capacity, things shut down. And it is by those reinforced things that we hammer and over and over again that, that good people don't get shot. And so to say, well, no, nothing was violated. Well, okay, that's, that's cool. And that's my goal as an instructor is to not have an environment where the four life rules are violated. But why am I putting you as a student in an environment in which if somebody does have a nanosecond of failure, that it goes into you instead of a nanosecond of failure where it goes into the berm. And if you can once again tell me that the consequence of failure of not training this person with the way that we were doing it far outweighs the danger presented by the drill at hand, I will back you up 100%. But very rarely when somebody gets shot in a class, most usually it's the instructors and the students going, that was just unsafe. So that's it. Awesome. Now, we just answered my second question for this part, uh, which was what happens at a not so great firearms training class. And, sure. uh, we, we, we pretty much covered the safety side, but I think it is important. Uh, and everybody has their own different styles. And I've taken a lot of classes out in the civilian world and a lot of classes in the military, um, that were Marine Corps classes and other classes. And it's, um, they're all different, and there's instructors that I like more than others. There's formats that I like more than others. Um, I obviously gravitate toward the that I teach and and run a format closest to what I feel that I enjoyed and got the most from sure. most of the time. Um, and you know, I have the ability to tweak that based on student and group needs. Um, but overall, I, I it depends on the class that we're looking at. It de- I was in a class recently that was very drill heavy that we just pretty much did drills all day long. And there wasn't a whole lot of teaching and learning occurring. Uh, but the context of that class was a lot of really solid SWAT officers in the class. So it kind of made sense for what we were doing then, but for the way the class was advertised, um, uh, it was kind of a when you're new to the rifle and you're you're a cop <laughs> kind of thing, and so right. so I, and uh, I think the instructor twisted on the, or tweaked it on the fly to make it better. But I've been in some classes before where basically all they do is take me down and say, "All right, fill your magazines with this and this. We're going to do this. All right, reload the gun. You're going to shoot six times. Reload, shoot six times." Oh, cool! You guys did good. You you kind of sucked at that a little bit, but you'll get better when you, if you practice. Yeah. Like like yeah. that's that is what I consider a not so great training class. Uh, sure. I believe that I should there should either be learning occurring or applying what I just learned. Uh, and I we don't I don't I don't go drill heavy. I, I won't I won't do drills all day long. I don't have the highest round counts classes out there. Um, I I believe that I need I need to cover a lot of things in one day. Um, and I keep them on their toes a little bit. And whenever I believe someone understands why we do something, where we do it, how it fits and how to go replicate it in training, um, then we can move on to the next thing. And if they can, I can do it at a, at a level where they, they can go replicate it properly. We're moving on to something else. Cause I want to, I want to dump more data into them. Sure. You know, so sure. I, I'm, I'm always disappointed when I just do drills. Like I, I could have got that off the internet. Yeah, you know what a great what a great point. Um, let's let's talk. Let's get back to the the your origin of that, and that's the teaching method. Um, I come from a very formal uh, edu- training education. I am a certified occupational certified instructor through the U.S. Air Force. Uh, I have about twelve thousand hours of teaching under my belt. Uh, about half of that is classroom. Half of that is classroom. Um, 
So I'm a formal educated instructor. So they sent me off to the Air University where I learned how human beings learned and how to teach them. And I carry that with me, um, even though I spend all my time now, uh, 90% of my time on the range. And how human beings learn and not uh, poo-pooing how different human beings learn is very important step right. one for an instructor. And so I will say this. You and I, we've cut, we've cut our teeth under military training where they are not nice to us in any way, shape, or form. And there are moments that I look back where, man, that was the exact right way to teach me. That was for the, for the situation. Man, I'm glad that sergeant did exactly what he did because it it did something for me with the way that I handled myself under stress. And there are times when I look at um, other aspects of my uh, military or law enforcement training where I'm like, this guy, if he screams at me one more time, I'm going to punch him and go to jail because he is not doing anything for me for the education that I am there for. Yes. And so that that's huge. He's now, doing things with, for his own ego, but exactly. it does it's not exactly. with a purpose. Now, I will say this, though, and this is very important. All of us as human beings learn differently. I run my school. If I tell my students, Sergeant Utrecht, Staff Sergeant Utrecht exists down in my soul somewhere, and I do not like it when he comes out because he has been there, done that, and I do not like to have to knife hand somebody and scream at them because they have put my life or somebody's life in jeopardy. I now run, I run my school very, very safe, fun, and educational. That's my whole thing, safe, fun, and educational. And as long as you are learning, I'm going to be right there. I am your mentor. I am your friend. Cool. There are instructors out there that give the military atmosphere. They yell and scream and do everything else. I am not saying that they are wrong. I'm saying they are completely different with me. And so it is up to them, the consumer, and I can only imagine because they are in business, that they offer a service that people will want. So if somebody want, and I tell people this, if you like a more rigid, if you like a more rigid program where the instructors are going to get that, do the Cobra, they're going to get right up there with the brim of their hat and yell at you because you messed up an emergency reload, by all means, go for it. I have no problem with that whatsoever, but just understand that that's their teaching style and they are still required to do what you and I and everybody else are required to do as instructors. And you mentioned this, and that's give feedback. Feedback is what an instructor is all about. An instructor, by their very definition, must be able to tell you what you're doing good. They must be able to tell you what you're doing bad. And if they have the audacity to tell you what you're doing bad, they, by their very profession, must be able to tell you how to improve yourself. That is what an instructor does. And so I will I will jump on your statement about drills. Everything's a drill. After I demonstrate an emergency reload or a draw stroke or how to take a corner in the house, everything after that is a drill. Every up drill, it, it is. Every up drill is yeah. a drill. Um, now there are, and this is where you as the consumer need to watch out. If your class is advertised as education, yet it is nothing but do this with no feedback and no instruction, then it is not. It is you were being lied to. It was not instruction. It was a drill day. And that there are times when those are fun classes, too, if that's how it's advertised. Right. Absolutely. And especially I know there's some great instructors out there that really are about the speed or they're about the 
absolute accuracy under stress. And they have classes that are literally where students show up to try to either beat the instructor or to earn a title of um, a coveted rank. And that's cool because they know when they show up that their gear is set up, set up for drills and they're going to be now tested on the education that they've received beforehand. So as long as classes are being advertised by this is education or this is the go, no go test. And what I like to do in my classes, and it sounds like you do, we do um, just like in school, we do education, we do the lesson, and then we do the test. And then if you don't pass the test, whether that's a, a numerical score or my opinion of how you did, my job is remediation with you or the entire student body to improve by showing you tips and tricks. And then we do it again and we watch for improvement. And we don't just go, well, you guys still suck, but we're just going to move on to this next drill where you run and shoot now, but you haven't shown me that you can shoot standing static from the holster. And that's the stuff that terrifies me yeah. is an instructor who's not reading the students but wants to get through a lesson plan versus are they actually smelling what you're stepping in? And that's very important. So, yeah, drill drills are very important. Drills um, – I don't get into to, uh, metrics very much in my classes. I Like I said, I'm building the new students. I want my students to be able to go to Steve Fisher and Aaron Cowan and uh, Larry Vickers and Michael Lamb and you. I want them to go. And when they get to you guys, I want them to introduce themselves and say, I'm an MDFI alumni. And I want you as the instructor to go, oh, damn. That means this guy knows how that when his gun stops working, he's not going to stare at his gun and go, what am I supposed to do? He's going to fix his gun and he's going to finish the exercise that we are now there to work on. And so if we can do that as, as fellow instructors, if we cannot cheat our students by making sure that they're getting feedback, whether that's positive feedback or negative feedback, but as long as we're giving them feedback and telling them, hey, dummy, uh, you're messing up, but even though I called you a dummy, I'm going to show you how to fix it. And then the next time I'm going to call the dummy, ne the person next to you a dummy because you just squared yourself away. It doesn't matter if I'm positive or negative feedback, depending on the way that you like to take a class. As long as we're giving feedback, it's all good. Um, but yeah, drills, life is a drill. The little drills that instructors do for us are to try to replicate a fraction of what it's going to be like when that that timer goes off when you were buying a gallon of milk and you had no idea that it was for all the marbles at that very moment. Yep. No, a lot of good info there. And one of the things that, that you were just talking about is that MDFI student coming to my class, the question I'm going to ask you, how does that student know those things? It's going to have a big impact on mindset and the mindset that you should have when you come take a class. We'll be right back. If you're in the market for the absolute best 1911 handguns and accessories, look no further than Nighthawk Custom. Nighthawk has over 36 flavors of top quality custom 1911s and they definitely have one for you. These are custom handmade 1911s. Each gun is made from start to finish by a single gunsmith. Nighthawk's slogan and philosophy is, One gun, one gunsmith. Now, owning the world's finest 1911 has never been easier. Go to www.nighthawkcustom.com and finance your Nighthawk Custom 1911 today.
All right, welcome back. Track, this is going to be like the longest Gunfighter cast ever because I still got a few more things. <laughs> There's some really good stuff coming out here, and I, and I hope you don't have to go. And it sounds like the jet engine in the background turned off a little bit, so that's awesome. Um, yeah, no worries, brother. But the uh, but you you said that he, instead of that guy staring at the gun, so sometimes at the beginning of a class, that, that's triggered something to me because sometimes in a class, I... I always demonstrate. I, I, I don't like when I take a class and the instructor doesn't demonstrate, doesn't show me a high level of proficiency. If I'm in front of a SWAT team or a bunch of different individuals from different teams, uh, like I am every year up at OTOA, which will be back up there in June in your neck of the woods, um, it's, or at least close to you, I have to go out there and I've got all these like alpha male tactical SWAT officers looking at me like, what is this skinny dude with a beard going to show me today? And I have to destroy their egos immediately in a very, very nice way. But let them know I'm not an asshole at all. Sure. Uh, And and, and then show them a higher level of proficiency than they've ever witnessed in their entire life. And then they're like, all right, maybe I can pick something up right here. Because that guy just destroyed the guy that we all picked to be the best guy out there. Um, And we make jokes about everything else. And and then I know I've got their attention. And then uh, the weird looks go away. And we're having fun conversations. And uh, it's an easy two days from then on out. Um, And and it's awesome. But when I don't do that, I find that it takes like four hours to get to that point that I can get there immediately. But the mindset that I have going into that class and the mindset that the students have going into the class, you know, how do you instill in the students for you? Uh, and no, you don't have to give me all the details, but, but just kind of the goals that you have in the class uh, for me is, as I want to teach them to have a high level, a, a sense of urgency, I'm going to demonstrate a sense of urgency in everything that I do. If I happen to run out of ammunition while I'm demonstrating a slow fire, I'm still going to reload with a high level of, of a sense of urgency and a, and a high level of skill um, as fast as I possibly can. I'm going to treat it like I'm in a fight. And then I'll explain later on the visualization that I had going on in my mind and that I'm taking every opportunity to prepare for a fight, not to prepare for shooting at paper. Yeah, uh, what a great – There's a. I see a bunch of different avenues uh, to discuss on this one. One of the biggest ones – I always, every class that I take, whatever class it is, no matter how basic and how advanced, uh, and I always say advanced with air quotes. Um, yeah, I hate that because, Well, the reality is we either take classes to learn the defensive tool, to, to manipulate the defensive tool, or we're taking a class that's about our brain and we just happen to have a gun. Yeah. And that's generally what the advanced classes are. It's like, hey, how to clear a house. You could take a class how to clear a house without actually having a gun in your hand. But we add the gun into it. So I always throw that the air quotes up. Um, the biggest thing is I always I always introduce myself and I always let the students introduce themselves to myself and to the fellow students that they're going to spend uh, a day or two with because I want to hear why they are there. I need to understand why, why did they give up their hard earned money? And even and I always say this with the passing of, of mentor to so many Pat Rogers harder in time. We can, I don't care about money. Uh, I do care about money. I mean, like everybody, but I care about my time of my life. Uh, it is finite. And so for somebody to come out and join me for a day that generally is a Saturday or Sunday when they could, especially if it's a, hopefully a beautiful day of training, they could have done so many other things, but they gave up harder money and harder in time to come learn. And so I always want to listen to what they have to say, and then I try to use their examples of what they said as I teach for the remainder of the day, because it's important that they can uh, personalize 
the importance of what I am trying to get across that's coming from my world, and I want it to assimilate into their world um, because I'm the instructor. No, I, I totally get Trek. I, yeah. I do the same thing. You know, I might have a SWAT cop in a class, and then there's a brand new shooter soccer mom on the other end, and then there's a construction sure. worker and an electrician next to each other somewhere in the middle. And I, I need to. I, I tell them, look, I want to know about you. I want to know what you do. I want to know about your home life. I want to know what you do for an occupation. I want to know how you carry a gun and where you carry a gun. I want all that in a very quick amount of time. I don't want to waste all the time this morning. But you got a minute and a half each person, whatever. Let's go through this spiel. Answer these questions for me, uh, because whenever you ask me a question, I don't want to give you the generic Sunday school answer that I give everybody. I'm going to give you an answer based on you, your life, what you do, uh, in the context of what reality means to you. And I think that's really important. And I I, I like that in my life, in my class. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, we only have so much time to get to know um, that first time student. And luckily, I think that by that personal relationship, we get them as repeat students because they they see that we're not... uh, we're not taking them for granted. Uh, and I think that's very important. Um, Will Petty has one of the best quotes about drills, about demos. And that's from one of his mentors. And he said, the road to hell is paved with instructor demos. Um, and it's true. I've seen, I've seen Petty uh, as one of his uh, certified instructors for VCQB. I've seen, I've seen him flub. I've seen him ace his own drills. I've seen my fellow instructors. I myself have aced and I have flubbed my own drills. Um, and taking from a lesson of Steve Fisher, who's one of my mentors, one of the reasons that I even own MDFI, he used to miss. I, you don't tell him this, that I'm saying this to the world, but Steve, Steve would 99% of the time put the round exactly where he wanted it. But the thing that set him apart that I remember was that he would pull around and he wouldn't just shrug his shoulders and then go like pretend it didn't happen because that right there tells the student, Whoa, wait a second. Yeah. This guy missed what he would do is go. And this is great. The question he would do, he'd turn around and go, why did I do that? What did I just do? What did I just fail? I failed you guys of what I've been talking about all day because I either snatched the trigger. I didn't have good sights. I didn't have a good purchase on the gun. And so I still, I still use that. I do demos for every single thing that I teach, I would never expect, and this is, I, I take this lesson, and you're gonna, this is, you're gonna take it to heart, from my time as a non-commissioned officer, I used to tell my airmen, I will never ask you to do anything that I would not do. So if I tell you to get up in that turret and get that machine gun rocking and rolling, that means that I know how to do it, and if I was in your shoes, I would do it too. Um, so I never ask my students, Oh, yeah, just do what I said, but I'm not going to show you how I do it. I always demo. And believe me, I, there are times, and it's really funny, I, I try to make light of it um, for a lot of demos for like my You Suck, It's Not the Gun class. I've got to put a bullet through a time. I have to keep putting rounds through the same hole, and it's critical to some of the instruction that I do. And it's great because I'll put a round through the same hole, and I'll, I'll give myself like air, you know, I'll, I'll air fist it. I'll be like, yes, I can retire because I understand what's on the table. And if I miss, and it does happen, I'll say, okay, I completely lost my sights. It was a bad trigger pull. Let me make it up. And I will, I will not leave until I can demonstrate why it is that there's 24 people 
watching me shoot because they expect me to get them there by the end of the day. And so that's very important. I would say be wary of anybody that's not going to do as I say. Yep. They need to be able to execute it. But here's here's the other caveat. I'll throw this out there. There are better shooters than me out there. There are students of mine yeah, that on totally. a day, they are better shooters than me. But as an instructor, I have to be a good, I have to be a, I would say above average shooter and I have to be an incredible instructor. And so therein lies the rub for all of us as instructors and therein lies the rub for those of us that are students and looking to be taught is that, uh, and I'll call Nick Young, solo defense. He's actually part of the cadre now at North Carolina. I swear to God, this guy's Delta Force. He says he's a farrier. We all joke. I think he's Delta Force. This guy can shoot. I would not go up against him in a competition all day. But what I love is this dude shows up to my classes and he still gets things out of the classes when I know for a fact that if we were to go up in a speed drill, he'd get me every single time. And I think that that comes back to what I hold most dear, not being a shooter. I hold most dear from where I stand as I am in a I am a professional relayer of information who does not blow smoke up my students butt and I can demonstrate why I'm teaching what I'm teaching and why it is better than why I'm not teaching the other ways to do it and that's very very important so yeah it's uh, uh, you know I love that the road to hell is paved with instructor demos but at the same time if you're not human uh, you're not a good instructor you've got to be human to be a good instructor Absolutely. I'm not a machine who could just turn on like 100% awesomeness like every single time that gun comes out. I don't possess that ability. I spend most of my life watching people shoot on a range. And I, and, I, and whenever I got the guys that are faster than me and they shoot more accurately than me uh, and they're, they're better shooters than I am, um, at, I, I'm their coach. You know, they're, when we're in, and I'll drop them in some pretty rough drills and do some different things, uh, maybe an occasional scenario type thing. And I, I want, do you think of me as you're in the you're in the boxing ring and you're throwing punches and you're taking punches and the hits keep on coming, but I'm your corner and I'm going to guide you to the best person you can possibly be, and I'm I'm, I'm going to make you I, faster. I do that, and I also when they're not looking, I shoot their targets so it looks like they're not doing very well. Nice. Um, don't tell them that. Don't tell them that. <laughs> that's cool you mentioned something right then about um uh, about the, the the questioning you now I, I i tell my students to question me like if there's something you're like hey yes. well why, why do you teach it this way instead of that way why do you do this method instead of that method i i want those questions i want you to challenge me don't be like well daniel said do it this way so i should do it that way i want you to be a free thinker that questions every single thing that i say and don't trust me on anything go prove it uh and and, and challenge me on it in the class i have a reason for every single thing that i have in this class every small detail every word that i use i have a reason for that in this class it's not because i watched a video and it was cool so let's do this drill out here like there is there's strategy and a reason behind it that just to help the student grow. So I love it when they challenge me. And you mentioned something about that a second ago. And that's one of my questions is when someone's signing up for a class and they show up, how should they participate? Should they answer questions when the instructor throws out that rhetorical or whole class question? Should they keep their mouth shut? Uh, should they ask the, the instructor questions? Should they challenge the instructor? Oh, absolutely. Um, I take this, I've, I've always wanted my students to question me, but I take this, especially from my friend and mentor, Freddie Asuna from Greenside Training. Uh, 
he would not admit to it. Probably one of the world's foremost instructors, creator of index tracking method. Um, and he says at the beginning of his two-day class, uh, he says, I want you to question everything I do. Do not allow me to point at the ground and say, there's your track. I want you to say, Freddie, prove it. Because he said he has seen way too many times where in a class, in a tracking class, someone that in their mind, they're, they're lost. The instructor gets lost for a second, but knows that they have a far greater reach of the information than the student and just goes, you see that broken twig? Yeah, that's the track. Let's keep moving. And just deviates the question based on their position as an instructor. And Freddie wants you to say, no, 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 no. Based on what you've taught us, I want you to prove it because we're not moving on until you do. And it happens. And it's it's always polite the way that it does. Students will go, I, I just don't see it. And Freddie will get down and he will show them. I mean, it, it, it comes together like a three-dimensional image. Um, and that's the same way that you and I need to be. Um, and I have changed curriculums based on student feedback. And it might not be that uh, <clears throat> something that I was teaching, I, I can honestly say that something I was teaching hasn't been given to me in a better method uh, because I can tell you right now, if it had, I would change it and I would give credit to the person that did. Uh, but what I have had is I have never taken student feedback for granted about a flow of a class, uh, the way that I deliver information and had them suggest, hey, maybe do B instead of A. And I'm like, you know what? I never saw from that point because I'm the dude standing in front of the class, but it makes total sense from your point of view. Done. And the very next class, it's completely changed. And I give them credit. I tell the students, hey, MDFI alumni, Snuffy, uh, made the suggestion. This is why that we're doing it this way. Or I'll name a drill after them or I'll name something after them because I, they, they are building, they're helping create new competent and confident shooters under my banner. I just happen to be the dude that's teaching uh, and owns the company, but it's, it's a team effort. Everything is a team effort. Um, so that's, that's really huge. Uh, but at the same time, being able to be humble enough and I've, I have, I have gone you, you and I know we get into a script and it's not, it's not that we're not thinking, we're just so used to teaching this particular class because we've done it 15 times. And I will flub a very critical piece of information. And I will get about 30 to 45 seconds down on my spiel. And I'm doing so good. I could win an Oscar for my performance. And it's having to stop and go, hey, guys, I totally just effed that up. Uh, frag what I just said. I'm going to go back through because what I just said was wrong. Because when I look over and see people taking notes, the last thing that I want is for them to take the wrong note that when they, they go home and they're practicing the wrong thing because I couldn't say, yeah, that was that was out of order. That was wrong. And then I know the consequence of failure is that if they ever have to use that, hopefully never, um, that could be catastrophic. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it really is. As we talked this this past hour, it's pretty amazing. Uh, it's a very symbiotic relationship between a good student and a good instructor it's just different roles. You know, it really is. I'm kind of a creeper whenever people are taking notes. Like next break, I'm like, so what have you got in your notebook, man? Because I, <laughs> it's, it's not because I'm self conscious or, or scared that maybe he's saying something negative. I like whatever. You know, like I, I, I do my thing and I, I'm not for everybody. Like I, I would say that, you know, but the people I'm for, I'm, I really am for them. Um, like I, but I, I, I want to know. I'm like, okay, what is, what is this person 
what is what is intriguing to them? What is the, what are they picking up on that really stands out to them? Because I want to make sure I can replicate that in the future if it's if it's doing if it's doing them a lot of good. Because I want it to do a lot of people a lot of good. Uh, is there something in here that uh, they're writing down, but maybe they misunderstood me, and I want to make sure that they got it right and they're taking notes like you're just talking about. So I am always really curious what people are writing in their in their notes. Uh, they're their notes. They're completely private, but uh, I I always want to know. Yeah, I always, uh, we always do a hot wash at the end of every class. Uh, we get feedback. I try to, I ask for um, feedback at the end of every class in a, in a learning circle with all the students. And then what I tell them, uh, because you and I both know there's, there's students that show up and they're so, they're so overwhelmed uh, just at the beginning of class that they turn red just to saying their name. And we get that. Yep. Um, you know, you and I have been doing public speaking for a long time. And I can remember where I had you do a shot of tequila to get up in front of the wing commander just to do an introduction to a graduation. I mean, it. It happens. So um, one thing that I'm very adamant about is at the end of the public briefing, debriefing, I always tell the students, hey, if you've got feedback that you don't want public, but you think it would help your fellow man, uh, that students of MDFI, shoot me an email and you can be I tell them I got thick skin, but I want to get better. So don't if you've got something good or bad. Please let me know. And that's very, very important. If you have an if you have a school or an instructor that cares little for what you have to say, you're wasting your money. You really are wasting your money. They should want to grow on you. It's the same. Uh, and think of any profession. Any professional should be looking for feedback from an outside point of view. Yep. I, I I tell them every class, you know, I, and I got a little spiel that I kind of give at the end, thanking them because I I do see them giving up their money, uh, their hard earned dollars, their uh, their 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 time that they have very little of, and their time away from their family. It's not just time with me; it's time away from other things. There's there's a lot more levels to that, so it, it's a huge sacrifice on their part. And I uh, I when when they come out and they they they're trusting me, you know, to get it right, and if I get it right. A life could be saved. They could save a family member's life, a loved one's life. If I get it wrong, they could be hurt or killed, or someone else could be hurt or killed, or they could end up in jail for the rest of their life. So it's right. a huge responsibility on my part. And when somebody pays that dollar amount and then they they give up that time, uh, that it's I take it very very personal, and I want to know what they think about it because I am nowhere near the instructor. Uh, my curriculum is not as good as it's going to be. I'm not as good a father, a husband, a man, human being as I'm going to be uh, in years to come. And my classes and and my my life has gotten better from students, and it is uh, they're they're by far my most valuable resource. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have a job, wouldn't do anything, right? Like I absolutely, I, or I, who knows what I'd be doing. Um, but we're going to take one more little quick break, and we're going to come back and talk about something that I'm going to be doing with Trek here really soon, and you guys can be a part of. We'll be right back. This episode of Gunfighter Cast is brought to you by Bravo Concealment Holsters. Use our coupon code GUNFIGHTER at checkout when you visit bravoconcealment.com and get 10% off your entire purchase. All right, that was the last break. Man, we, I've got more questions. We could go on for hours. <laughs> I am taking... When things go bad on July seventh, and my wife is going to be taking "You Suck, It's Not the Gun" on July eighth in Pinckney. Did I say yeah. that correct, Michigan? Right. So tell me yeah, about Pinkney. that. When things go bad, real quick. Well, that's uh, what a what a combination of classes there at, at different ends of the spectrum. Um, when things go bad, we uh, along 
of time ago when I took over MDFI, we looked at a lot of the uh, the classes that we were offering, and uh, we wanted to really focus on a class that was all about for the reality. Uh, as Will Petty says, you know, if you get tagged, um, if you're going to be in a fight, there's a good chance that you get tagged. And when things go bad, was designed specifically about that. that we go a lot of times we train when things are hunky dory, and I. Um, this just reinforces, I listened to Aaron Cowan talking about, uh, low light, uh, handheld and weapon light techniques today. And it's, you know, we always like to go and put two hands on the gun, but the reality is, um, the chances of taking an injury, whether that's a gunshot, a knife wound, a trip and fall while we're running a car, like getting clipped by a car. Cause maybe we, our focus was, uh, somewhere else, uh, in the middle of Walmart parking lot. We need to know how to keep our gun up and running. Uh, regardless of the situation. And so when things go bad is is literally just that. It is a day uh, where we tell the students, you are not going to be standing on a static line shooting the gun like you always do. We're going to start to take away body parts. We're going to start to take away sure footing. Um, and we're going to work with them to give them our ideas of workarounds so that if they do take a hit, um, they never just go one hand, look at their gun going, well, I'm used to reloading. I'm used to clearing a stoppage with with two hands, and now I've lost my support hand. I've lost my strong hand. What am I supposed to do? And so the whole day is about giving bad scenarios and getting the best outcome from a bad scenario. So it's a good, it's a really good day. Um, it's one of the more difficult classes that we have to fill because the name itself, um, I think, rattles some people uh, because it takes them out of their comfort zone. Uh, and then on the other end of the spectrum, uh, we have You Suck, It's Not the Gun, which is our core class. Uh, we jokingly say, you know, we loved it so much, we put a ring on it. It's the first class that we have that actually has a U.S. patent, a trademark patent on it. Um, it's a lot of fun, and, and it's about the entire day is taking beginning shooter, beginner shooters and veteran shooters and intermediate shooters and making them better. And I always say in this class, if I've got a new shooter – uh, that they just took CPL class, and this is the first formal training class, and they're a two. If I can get them to a four or a five throughout the day, awesome. Uh, if they're an intermediate shooter and they're a five, and I can get them to a seven or eight, cool. If they're a nine, if they're Nick Young from Solo Defense, and if I can get Nick to a 9.1 and 9.2, we can start to smooth out some of those rough edges. Uh, that's what it's all about. And so the day, one of the coolest things about that class is the first thing I do at the beginning of the class is I tell everybody to take a deep breath because a lot of times it's their first formal training class. And I say, repeat after me, there is no time limit. And I tell them, I'm a professional instructor and this watch on my wrist is something that I live and die by. But I'm telling you right now that I'm giving you all the time in the world to treat the entire day like you only have one round in that gun and you need to make it go exactly where it needs to go without excuses. And so we're going to work as a team uh, throughout that day, uh, and it was very flattering. We actually just got written up in uh, U.S. Concealed Carry Magazine, uh, and that's it. We work as a team all day long to overcome uh, the challenges of defense. Or excuse me, marks, marksmanship with a defensive firearm. And so it's a it's a great time. Uh, I've taught that class scores and scores and scores, but I show up with a smile on my face every morning to teach that class because I know that by the end of the day, I'm going to see smiles on people's faces. Uh, that they just did not think uh, that they could perform the way they're performing by the end of the day. So it's, it's an awesome class. I love it. 
So if you're in the Michigan area or you're not in the Michigan area, make a date out of it. Bring your wife, husband, same-sex significant other. We don't discriminate. Uh, child, doesn't matter. And come jump in these classes and shoot them next to me. So uh, I'll be in, in the when things go bad. I may also take you, Suck It's Not The Gun, with the wife. Not really sure about that yet. It depends on we're trying to get some video content here. So uh, we're kind of just taking turns doing the classes. And uh, But if you want to come hang out with me and Trek and take a, a really good, one of these two very meaningful classes with a solid instructor, uh, the link to this class will be in the show notes. And it's also up on my calendar at shawstrategies.com uh, where I'll be and taking this class with trek and uh maybe we'll get there a little bit earlier and hang out for some fourth of july or something which would be really awesome awesome cool so where can everybody find you at trek uh we can easily be found at trainmdfi.com we're also michigan trainer on the instagrams and uh we also have you know the, the classic public facebook page uh and under mdfi but uh yeah that's uh, those are our three primary sources and all the registrations done through trainmdfi.com Awesome. Man, well, I really appreciate your, uh, the information here. We're going to have to do this again really soon because I think that we could probably have conversations for hours and hours and, uh, doing eight episodes a month. I'm always needing more content. So you're like my new go-to guy. Thanks, (laughs) Trek. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, gunfighter cast out. so much for being a part of gunfighter cast and a listener of the show if you feel that you get something out of gunfighter cast and you enjoy the show why not pledge a dollar or two dollars through our patreon site basically you pledge one or two bucks an episode when uh, some content is released at the end of that month your card will get charged pretty simple and easy way to support the show when you're getting content if not all good you're going to keep getting them for free thanks again for listening and being a part of the show gunfighter cast out